Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Hope you all had a great weekend. Spent Fix your mic. Shoot. I didn't. My mic is fixed. Wait. What do you That's, mean? They sound good now. All right. I think it's just as I think it's the cold, Joel. What I think it, it could be the cold. The nasal, the Whatever. Cold I apologize for my nasally voice. Good morning. <laughs> Hope you all had a great weekend. Spencer, Dennis, Joel, a lot going on today. We're going to talk about the impacts uh, of Hurricane Ida on markets. We're going to talk about uh, the fact that today is the Robin Hood lockup expiration. We have some more news from China. We have some big earnings this week. We had so we had a Friday news dump. We don't often get the Friday news dumps. We had a Friday news dump involving a firm and Amazon. I'm sure you all saw that by now, so we'll talk about that as well. Tim Quast at 835, Matt Hammond at 9. Let's bring it to Joel's charts. And then, Joel, actually before the charts, how, how was your weekend? Fantastic. Why? Because I, I, I did, Lisa and I did something out of the ordinary, spontaneous. Yep. We were supposed to go to La Crosse, Wisconsin to visit our dear friends that we've known since we've been in Chicago a hundred years ago. Okay. And we were literally in the car going to the airport, right? I got to fix my camera there. And they called us and they said, we have a family situation. Um, you need to cancel. We were in the car going to the airport. And Lisa and I looked at each other and we're like, okay. You know, we had the bags packed and everything. And uh, we're like, what the hell are we going to do? And I'm like, let's go to Chicago. <laughs> I lived there for seven years. Dana was born there. Lisa did a residence there. She goes, and Lisa's like, she's an old bum. We were supposed to go to Wisconsin. I go, let's go to Chicago. And I convinced her. So we got in the car. We left at 1 o'clock. We went to Chicago. And I don't know if we have any people from Chicago in the chat. But what a great city. I mean, unbelievable. We we stayed in our old neighborhood. We walked. Oh, we must have walked over 10 miles in 95-degree heat. We had all my favorite restaurants. We ate outdoors everywhere. Uh, on, on, sun, on Saturday, after going to the zoo, we literally wore our swimsuits to the zoo, and then we hopped in Lake Michigan. And it was like 75 degrees, and it was just – it was just a blast. So, uh, man, what a great city. Um, I had to check out Michigan Avenue on the way back because, you know, I heard about all the riots and destruct- destruction and everything. Michigan Avenue looks okay. And, uh, man, the city was hopping. No pandemic there, Dennis. I'm telling you, man. Well, actually, they have mask mandates for all the restaurants. Uh, but just what a great city, man. I love Chicago, and I'm, I'm, I'm so I'm bummed we didn't get to see our friends. But, uh Man, if you get a chance, uh, Clark and Diversity area is where we stayed. So I had a fun weekend for an old man like that me. That sounds pretty good. That's sounds great. pretty good. 
I, yeah. I, I, I'm fighting my first cold in like a decade. So uh, I my weekend was not nearly as fun. Dennis, how was your weekend? Mm. Weekend was good. I'm tired. Always tired after the weekend. Right. So I'm just perpetually tired. It's kids, trading, yeah. work, and, and it's underpaid and over overworked and underpaid. Isn't that the saying that they say? <laughs> that is what they say. All right, Joel, charts. Let's, let's rip it. Did I, I had the charts up there, right? No, no. I, ju- I just brought them up. Uh, boom, boom, boom here. Uh, we're up six handles. Strong day, strong close on Friday. Couldn't even dip below 4,500 4, in the pre-market. Up six handles, 13 and a quarter pre-market high, 0075 uh, pre-market low. Absolutely no downside till we take out that pre-market low. Uh, crude, you think it might be up a little higher with, uh, you know, some of these uh, platforms off production, but that's down 12 cents to 68.63. Gold back over eighteen hundred, well over eighteen hundred. That's over a dot down a dime in eighteen nineteen forty. Silver up a dime at twenty four twenty one. Bitcoin consolidating here at the fifty percent of the move. That's down five ninety at forty seven eight sixty five. Wow. Ethereum that's going the same direction. That's down seventy one fifty at thirty one. 90 in a quarter. There's look at your cryptocurrencies and uh, some of your other futures. All right. So where should we, we, we should probably start with, with that, right. With uh, a hurricane uh, with, with the hurricane. Yeah. Um, you know, all, I, all I've seen so far is that the whole city is out of power, yeah. um, but it, I haven't seen any, 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 any cost estimates yet um yeah i don't know i think it's been dark so i don't know like it's hard to assess the damage i don't think we really have an assessment on the damage yet i mean i think it's it, it sounds like you know, like you were saying Joe, i don't think it's, it sounds like another katrina it sounds like you were saying Good. everything held up okay i mean it's still gonna be bad but i think i don't i think some people are saying this could be as bad as katrina i don't think that's the case but i mean we haven't really got an assessment of it yet Good, good. I mean that 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 was that's good. That's good was, news. Was afraid of so. Yeah. I, and I I was watching this stuff on what, what was it? It, hit, it was landfall yesterday, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was watching this stuff like all day yesterday morning, and I it it, it looked. I saw some some scary footage. Yeah. But that's when, what they do. I saw. That's what the media does. I saw over sure the media. Oh, we gotta the, see this. Look at the CNBC screen. Yeah. Something's trashed on that CNBC screen. Yeah. I, I mean, wait, wait, they wait, just wait, wait. I, I they saw look some... for the worst possible things, and they try. Well, they to, always I mean, do that. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, I don't. I, know. I just want to say, I one of the coolest things I saw. I saw footage from a drone from inside of the eye. You ever seen it inside the eye? That That's pretty. You ever seen inside the eye of a hurricane? It's insane. I, I can do some cool. It was stuff all inspired. Long drones. Well, I'm um, bullish drones. Yeah, Bro, bullish drones. Bullish weather drones. After that, holy, holy cow. Yeah, anyway, cool. well, we talked about this on Friday. We talked about Generac. We talked about Home Depot and Lowe's and oil yeah. and all that as it relates yeah. to uh, uh, the storm. And the question is, does this play out again today? And it seems like so far it is. So far, yeah. GNRC trading up uh, another one point three five percent. It was up like six or seven bucks. We, we talked about this on the pre market show on Friday. It opened right at the very low four twenty eight thirty three. If you bought the opening print at nine thirty on Friday, you took zero heat straight up fourteen points. Obviously, settled up only up nine from where it had opened. It's up another six here this morning. Often these are events, you know, that, you know, once you get an assessment on the damage, they can be sell the news events. I don't think we have that full assessment. I mean, GNRC obviously trading higher here because we see so many people without power. So it's not surprising. Joel, you also bringing up ETR, 
which um, is getting blamed for some of the power outage here. It is trading down in the pre-market. These usually, um, you know, these these you know sell-offs and ETR was down ahead of it too. So maybe some anticipation that you know this might happen. Obviously, there's going to be some power loss. ETR being one of the major power uh, sources down there. So you can see the chart on Friday, people selling it ahead of it. It is selling off a little bit more in the pre-market here because we have a lot of people, a million people without power. Um, is this a buying opportunity for ETR? Maybe. I mean, it's a utility stock. It's got a nice dividend. Um, I don't know if I'm coming in right away and buying it, but if you like, if you want some utility stocks, it's three and a half percent yield. You know what's interesting though is that this thing never got back to its uh, pre-COVID levels. ETR, yeah, ETR. Just uh, look, yeah. let's look at old. They really hit that too. That was, yeah, they hit everything, they I guess, back in March. Yeah, but look at stocks. like look at Detroit Eddie. I mean, come on, look at that. That's back near old time highs. That's still wow. off that, but yeah. Not what well, that is compared to ETR. Wait, I can't even think of utilities anymore. We never talk utilities. Well, nobody wants to talk them. Southern, nobody wants to make four or five percent a year. They want to make four or five percent a day. Yeah, so that's what it is. A day, a bracket. So is yeah. notable. AEP is notable. Um, I trade them all the time. I trade them all. You know, we talked about relationship-based trading last Saturday. I pair trade the utilities mm-hmm. all the time. XLU, NEE is the biggest component in XLU. But, you know, Southern, I trade that one all the time. Um, you know, you can say, oh, they're boring. You know, why are you trading that? But, you know, I, when the relationship base there, if there's an edge there, there's an edge there. You know, I'm not going in there trying to make 10% an hour. But I mean, I'm, you know, me, I'm a base header. If I can make, you know, half a percent here, half a percent there, percent there, um, there's money to be made in the utility stocks and they're predictable. So, you know, I often talk about the relationship with TLT being, you know, the financials negatively correlated. The XLU and the, and the TLT are usually more positively correlated, believe it or not. So, um, so there's a relationship there too. And I love relationship-based trades and there's lots of utilities to pair against each other. So you know they're, what, they're actually... Uh... Very consistent trading vehicle. And uh, I know some of the New York ones had have pretty thick books at certain levels too, right? So yeah. you can kind of pick on them. Well, you know, you know like you go into a utility stock, it's very rare you're going to wake up and it's going to be down 10% on you. So that's why when you see a, a 2 3% sell-off in ETR, it's a pretty significant sell-off. You know, for a normal stock, oh, what's that? But a utility stock? fairly significant i mean you get back in this 105 106 area starts looking like an upper three percent yielder people you know value investors will look there so you do have value investors underneath you know create that create a floor on these stocks so etr pulling back this morning generic gnrc has just been an absolute monster stock for years now i mean go back and look two years ago in 2019 the stock was 54 dollars. it's now 442 it's up 900 percent in just over two years that's got to be one of the best stocks you know that, that have been out there like has it continued to go higher i mean the trend is still your friend i don't know it's obviously significantly overbought but i mean you know is this a could this be a reversal day sometimes you do see this yeah, happen where they they, yeah. they move up on the hurricane up on the hurricane then we catch some new traders and they hit them i mean you're not up above you have major resistance at 450 so i don't think i'm coming in and buying gnrc today um you know up another five and up 17 points since we got you know news of this hurricane really if you're looking at 442 up, up 14 points anyways because we got all that overhead resistance at 450 but you know the, i can't argue with the stock it's been a monster 
I'm going to give you a little different numbers here because I'm just a little, uh, you know, more short term. You're opening it in the Friday's high, 42.28. So you want to see what happens at that level. And then after that, Dennis is talking about that all-time high at uh, 4.57. Uh, there's a couple closes that you need to contend with on the way. And look at your closes from uh, the end of July, 44.65. Yeah, to in that area. The all-time closing high is 49.64. So just, I mean, opening into Friday's high, make sure you get some good follow-through through that. And I remember, Dennis, I don't know if you ever traded this stock, but uh, one of my favorites when I was at Bright was on. Uh, it's lower price now. Remember AES? Did you ever trade that? It's like, I think it's I trade a, it sometimes. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, that thing used to be like 60, 70, 80 bucks. And they used to have like a um, a beta of like 2.5. And that for some reason, it used to be a wild stock. Whenever the SPs took off, I could buy, you know, as much of AES as I could and then Goldman Sachs and I would get a pop. And uh, and then it became lower price, and it's been on a nice rally since. But uh, one of my old favorites there. Uh, is there any other insurance stocks? I mean, we don't know the damage yet, right? We don't know the damage people- yet. I mean, naturally, people think all state and the go, but the reinsurers are the ones that often really can get dinged if it's a real lot of damage. And we've seen cases like Everest Re, RE is a reinsurer. Again, we don't have any assessment here. It doesn't look to me so far that it's going to be like, you know, like a Katrina-like event. So that's good news, actually. So I don't expect, you know, all the insurers to start rolling over. But, you know, people naturally go to the Travelers and the Allstate. And, yep. you know, and those are, and Allstate's actually ex-dividend here today for uh, $0.81. Cents. So you got to adjust the close down to 136.70. So it's not really trading down here either. Uh, but, you know, those are the, the things that often get sold if it is a cat, real catastrophic event. Again, you know, this came, you know, very quickly as Hurricane and it hit hard and there's some definitely some significant damage, but I don't think it's, you know, like Katrina. I hope it's not anyway. And don't don't forget CMI as well. Um is a like a generator play, right? Is it? Who is? It, Comments? It, I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. It well, it's, it's like a it's like a isn't it like a? It's not a utility, but isn't it like no. a? Well, they make a lot of different things. It, it, it makes all kinds of things, so it wouldn't right. surprise me. Trend, trend down this morning, so yeah. Yeah. which one's it, that? CMI. It's just on an odd lot. It's trading down okay. actually. Well, right. actually, not an odd lot. Somebody hit it at seven o'clock on the seven o'clock open, and then it's back up. But and yeah, then, they, and then they, they make all kinds of things though, so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Right. And then know. also in the chat, yes, Home Depot and Lowe's as well. Wait, yeah, um, we always think about home. Yeah, we always think about. I have a small well, position lows. You know what? Also, can I do two? Uh, can I do a Chicago observation here? Yeah, the big retailers downtown in the. Uh, I do you know how many targets I saw? I mean, do you when you think of a, a target, do you think of a big box out in the suburbs, right? Yeah. Don't you? Yep. I can't tell you how many targets I saw. Brand new, like on the bottom of these these big apartment buildings, and I'm like, and then I saw Home Depot, and I'm like, Home, this Home Depot, I don't know how many thousand square feet it was, but uh, Target, man, going into the cities and those places were packed. That was that was my other big observation, and also uh, inflation update. My favorite restaurant in Chicago, the Athenian Room, mm-hmm. Kalamata Chicken. 
was maybe 1150 when I left in 1992. 1992. It was like 1350. <laughs> Nothing. Oh, you know, I'm like, why don't you no charge more for your food? It didn't go up. No, it went up from 1150 to 13. I don't know how where they're getting their chicken because I got a uh, somebody that reached out to me and I don't know if it's true or not. But they're like chicken wings. You know, the cost of buying in bulk. It said his restaurant went from $100 a bag or something. I don't know how many are in a bag, but you know he's buy, they're buying in bulk, and he says it's like over two hundred now. Like its cost of chicken wings has over doubled. So really? I'm like, oh, do you, well, how do you do that? You jack the price of the restaurant like slowly, but it's hard to just double the price of your chicken wings. Then, so the, the problem that we've talked about, you know, is was once you once you raise prices to the consumer, you can you can't really lower them, right? Well, you can always lower them, but you know, yeah, but who, the, who, the who risk of that? raising prices is who does go that? elsewhere. Who lowers their prices? No one lowers their prices. Prices only go up. Well, that's, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Anyways. At least the suppliers, it seems like. So, anyway, all right, let's let's okay. move on from this. Let's go to a firm. Yes, this is a stock that I actually almost like swore at my computer screen on Friday night because I um we talked about this stock a, a couple of times on the show in the last few weeks. We know since the Square deal for mm-hmm. uh, was it Afterpay? Yep. We talked about it that day and saying a firm, you know, could end up doing a deal with somebody or could be a target because obviously, and in the media, this wasn't just us talking about this, but I put it on my radar. I was like, I want to wait for a pullback. It was ripping that day up to like over $70. What day was that? Can we see it in the chart? I think it was probably like August 3rd, like a month ago. Yeah. this is. I'm going to say right in there, August 2nd or August 3rd. You see the big rip? Yeah, but you had multiple times where it actually, even that day, it came back down, got up to seventy, and then it came back down, and then you know it's it's actually had multiple dips. And I'm mad at myself because I put it on my radar. I was like, I'm gonna buy it this thing when it pulls back, and it pulled back a couple of times in October, August. And believe it or not, on I uh, it was down on Peloton on Thursday night, and I'm like, it was off like three and a half bucks in the after hours session. I'm like, you know what? That's ridiculous. And you know this was a stock that I wanted to buy for a bet. So I bought it for a day trade, and I was like, I should put some in the swing trade account too. I didn't put it in the swing trade account. I put it in the day trading account. I made a couple of bucks on the on the overnight trade because the firm was significantly undersold at like I think I was buying at like sixty six or something. You can back it up. I don't know if you can see the pre market or after hours from Thursday night. But I was like, I said to myself, I should buy some of this and stick it in the swing trade or the long term account too because eventually something might happen with them. I did not. This was Thursday night, I was saying to myself. And then Friday, I don't think we talked about a firm, but I wish we would have. Maybe we talked about it. Um, but, you know, it was obviously trading 66, 67, 68. And then, so, I, you know, I sell out, you know, my um, a firm position or whatever and make my couple mm-hmm. points. And then, obviously, we get the news Friday night. So give us the news. Yeah. A firm will now be available at Amazon checkout to yeah. anyone. Deal with Amazon. And everyone. Yeah, deal with Amazon. Or if I'm getting Amazon in the in a good way though. In a good way. You're getting yeah. Amazon. And so, I'm just like I'm like, I cannot believe I had all these chances to buy AFRM. So I hope some of our listeners talked AFRM. I cannot or, or picked it up, but I cannot believe I did not buy this. And I'm so mad at myself. It's up forty two percent. It's not a lot of times that I get ticked off when I miss a move. But yep. it's like I said to him and I had it. And I was like, I even said to myself, I was like, should stick some of the swing trade account, but then he gets sidetracked, you start doing some other stuff and you know, and then obviously um, you forget about it and all day Friday, you know, it just kind of hangs out. And, you know, the Peloton was down, so it was down in, in sympathy. And then, boom, the news comes after. I was like, ah, why didn't I buy that? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so. Did you go like, ah, did you It's 42% like up without me. 
So yeah. disappointed that I missed the boat on this one. Oh, double, double uh, negative for me here. Number one, uh, shout out to Yon- Sean Udall. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sean gave it to us too. A long time ago when the thing was yeah. in the 60s. I think he was stuff. in it. I talked, I chatted yep. I with him. I think he, he, he participated in this move for sure. Number two, why well, I, I, for sure I can remember that, uh, you know, that I should be in it because he remembered it. Now, why do we remember affirmed? Why do we know that name affirmed? What? Why Come do, on. Why do we know it? Yeah, aff- affirmed. Not affirm, but affirmed. E D. Come on, guys. I'm not. Right, you lost. Uh, what I, is I, going I, on? With I, this? I, I'm not picking up. Affirmed. Your... Affirmed. Yeah, yeah. Affirmed. Why yeah, do we, we know affirmed? What, like, what, like, what does it mean? I, I'm yeah, to... the name. It, I, I you know. agree with something? I'm not. Oh, come on. <laughs> you I'm not picking up whatever it is you're, you're pointing out. I information. I, I don't know. <laughs> I bet you. I'm not. I'm not saying. Oh, horse. Oh, horse. Oh, horse. A horse is a horse, of course. Of course. All right. All right, Come chat, on. ahead of us here today. We for, totally <laughs> forgot about the horse. Triple Crown winner, and do you know who he beat in every race? Every single race, the horse got three seconds. No, Aladar. And that's who you had? No, no, no. Actually, uh, when I was hopping out of Lake Michigan, got a call from uh, Todd Gordon at the at the Traverse. Oh, and yeah. he, the Traverse was this weekend, and right. I said. How can you beat essential quality? And I said, maybe, you know, get a little, uh, uh, throw in some exactas with uh, Midnight Bourbon, which I did. And then Miles D. I wanted Miles D really to come in second. But, uh, yep, little horse racing. Travis. We should have got that, Spencer. Joe, Joe threw you a softball have, uh, yeah, up the middle. You should have. Yeah, 1978. We were both who, thinking about the word. Yeah, we I know. I was like, a horse. <laughs> who won the Kentucky or who won the Triple Crown in 77? Secretariat. Secretariat. No. No, when, when the Secretariat went, uh, I believe it was like seventy-one or seventy-two. Oh, potato, potato, please, seventy-one to seventy-seven. It began with an S, though. What's the difference? Sea biscuit? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Spencer; he's laughing at his own jokes. That's, That's so cute. Uh, Seattle slew. Oh, Seattle all right, slew. whatever. Uh, <laughs> anyways, FRM Joel thoughts now. Technically, um, I'm not touching 50? it up 28. Yeah, points. I don't know. It might, do. It's going without me now because I don't like jumping on moving trains, and this is a rocket ship you're trying to catch on to. So I don't know when it runs out of gas. It, it went over a hundred dollars after yeah, hours on Friday. I'd use that as a target. Sure. Uh, yeah, but if you want to I go think one. I I think it's a ring. If I was long, I'll just say if I was long AFRM, yep. like I should have ka-ching. been, I would be yep. kachinging right now for sure. Yeah, that's what I would be doing. I'd probably be wrong. Maybe it's going to continue. We know stocks that are hot can get hotter, and a lot of them do. So I'm gonna give it back to those. So, uh, what does I, I don't mean know for Mastercard gonna... and Visa? Well, wait, for... wait, no, no, hold on. Let me finish. Uh, Pre market high 103, and then. Our level of control over the next couple of days is uh, is ninety seven and a quarter. That's believe it or not, halfway back of this move. The all time high is much higher. Uh, so if it can hold ninety seven for a couple of days, consolidate and make a move. I mean, this was nearly a hundred and fifty dollars stock, but uh, I don't know. Just keep an eye. Level of control ninety seven. Juicy target one hundred three on the downside. I absolutely. You don't want to. I, I think you should buy this buy this stock on Friday. Like Dennis did. I have no idea where support is. Yeah, I wish I would have. Go on okay. without me. 
right, so, MasterCard Visa. What's going yeah, on? yeah, and I'm long MasterCard. I've been long MasterCard since birth, basically. It's like 14 years I've been a MasterCard now. It's been a great one. My buddy Chris brought it to me way back in the day and still long it. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's down. I think MasterCard and Visa, like people, most multiple people were asking, MasterCard and Visa going to get hit on this. They're getting hit a little bit. They're both trading down slightly. Um, obviously, you know, with Amazon, you know, coming in and after, you know the the, the, mm-hmm. the market there, does it does it ding them? I think a bit. I don't think you're going to see huge down moves in these. I don't think people are thinking that much about it. What are your thoughts, though? Just technically speaking, I mean, MasterCard and Visa, the charts haven't looked good for a while here. They've been leaking. Um, you know, I would say Visa, it's kind of concerning actually. The technicals 228.90s critical support needs mm-hmm. to hold that. There is definitely this uh, recent uptrend has been broken. The question is, is the long term trend, you know, from the lows in 2020 stay intact? It's challenging that right now. So these charts don't look great to me. So I actually I am long MasterCard, I don't intend on selling it because I don't want to realize a ridiculous gain. I'm my average cost base is $16 on it, so I'm not selling it. But if I was long it, just for like a swing trade or whatever, or just short term, I'd probably would sell it. Um, uh, competition, right? Competition's coming in, and I hate to go back to Chicago observation again, but uh, Athenian Room does not take credit cards, and I think one or two other restaurants we went to was cash only. So, man, people are sick and tired of paying the fees. I mean, they pay huge fees. So uh, for Visa, you're right. Uh, you're leaning on the low of the move here at 228.90. So that's it. Next monthly low is down. Ooh, at 226. I mean, it just doesn't look great. They need a catalyst. Major resistance 236. Uh, Mastercard that chart almost the same. That made a new low of the move yesterday. And you know what, Dennis? I know I probably told you to sell this at 100, at 200, at 300. <laughs> 300. At 320, 350. I did sell some on the way up. But you so know I have what? sold some. I've taken, I, I have. This thing has went so, so many times. I've sold it multiple times. But Look at this monthly, though, Dennis. The bottom chart here. I mean, I give it to 346. I'm giving it some wiggle room. But you got one, two, three, four, five, six months of holding that level consolidation. I mean that's what it did here, but I, I tell you this is this is on the verge. I, I'm not going to go too close with with the low here, but I give it a little bit of more room. But I don't like the way that monthly chart is shaping up there. I mean support is support until it's taken out, but a lot of competition coming for Visa and Mastercard. Um, I will also mention Square is trading up today, so um, they don't care. PayPal doesn't care either. PayPal's trading in the green too. Yeah, at least for now they don't care. I, I still don't really get how a firm makes money because so obviously they charge interest. Yeah. Stud fees. But, well, I think that's the. the but no, but but isn't it like it like y- y- there's no interest payment if you paid on time, right? It's 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 not there's no hidden fees. It's like I thought if you paid upfront like everything on time, you don't. Isn't that the way Mastercard and Visa work too? <laughs> I guess they get the little cut from the merchants. So and I'm sure from, well, so, cut from the merchants. Well, there's well. a cut from the merchants, yeah. And but if most, I, maybe people don't pay on time. Is that really? I, I think so. I don't think all a lot right. of people pay on time. I thought that was the point. All right, fine, whatever. Yeah. All right, yeah, that's what uh, it yeah, is. They're saying people don't pay on time. I, I thought the whole point was that they they make it so it's like, why wouldn't you pay on time? But I guess people don't pay on time. All right, fine, whatever. Uh, okay, so Affirm uh, and Amazon partnering up. That was moving on Friday. Let's talk about China here for a second. There was a, a new regulation out um, 
Monday, so today, but over in in China, uh, regarding video games, how much time can be spent playing video games? So prior to today, the rule was if you are under 18 years old, you can only play video games uh, for up to an hour and a half a day or three hours a day on holidays. That was the rule. Now, the new rule is if you're under the age of 18, you can play video games up to one hour on Fridays, on weekends, wow. on holidays. The control. That is it. That is it. An hour a day on Fridays, weekends, holidays. How do they track this? Like, going to be a How is this tracked? Oh, you, you could shut I down. Guess- I yeah. guess they shut it down. How, like, how is it tracked? It, it's because it's how is it tracked? That is it's, it's China. No, no, it, it's it's not a question of tracking. It's a question of the 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 services being even being offered. Wow. I get right. It's so hard to be an investor in China when they keep you know just you think okay oh this can't be good for Tencent I don't know what it's doing but so so and so NetEase NTES yeah Billy 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 B I L I those are kind of your two they're getting hit hard yep. Billy Billy's down six percent. NTS. It's every single, at least once a week, we come in, and China once a week. Yeah, at least once a week <laughs> has done something to one of their sectors. You know, like I mean, now it's the video gaming sector. So it's so tough to be an investor when you got the country limiting profits that companies can make in different ways. And now they're limiting, the, you know, how much use not, they can. It's not about so I don't know. I don't know how, you know, I own a little bit of Alibaba. I kind of want to own more. I talked about it on Friday. I kind of want to rebuy the shares that I sold because it is dirt cheap on a valuation level. But I don't know if you keep limiting profits and profits go down because the government won't allow it. I don't know what to say. I mean, there's a reason the FXI has significantly underperformed everything for the past, at least for the past month, but I mean for the past decade. And it's probably because it's not free capitalism. I I, I think back to, uh, maybe this is an apt metaphor. I, I, I think back to the line from the Joker in The Dark Knight when he's he's burning the pile of money. And he says, it's not about the money. It's about sending a message. And that's what this is. It's not about the money. Sending the message that they're in control. Yeah, it's not about the money. It's about control. Yeah. And they're in control. And I don't know. They're in control of the companies. They're in control of the people. They're in control. So I don't even know what to say. I'm like, I I look at it, you know, and you think, oh, 10 years of underperformance of the FXI. You know, maybe you should be, you know, backing up the truck and there's going to be eventually catch up trade. But then they do stuff like this. And I think, no, why? Why do I want to go there? It's money's been made easier elsewhere. There's a reason they've underperformed for 10 years, and this is one of the main ones. Do you have any restrictions on uh, Spencer and Natalie for the for iPad time and stuff? Yeah. They, oh, yeah. Like we, we control it completely. And, you know, it's only every, they're four and six, though. I mean, am I going to be able to have restrictions 10 years from now? Probably not. Remember you know, but... uh, Game Boys, Spencer? Did you ever? I have never liked oh, the Game Boy. Absolutely, Joel. Do you know that this is this was the Lisa restriction? Uh, this is they were young a long time ago. They could only have and use Game Boys when like we went on vacations. Okay, uh, that's like rule. in the car or on the airplane or something like that. We all control our kids to a certain extent. Yeah. We try to, anyways. And yeah, now that uh, I don't know how well that would. Go I used to catch Spencer um, when he was like, this is so probably when he was like three, but he'd like 
wake up in the middle of the night and sneak and go get his iPad. What? And I'm like, and I had to actually hide the iPad. I mean, he got disciplined for that. Yeah, I caught him. Like, I went up to the bathroom. I was like, why is this light on his bed? It's like, he's at <laughs> three in the morning. He's watching his iPad. Like, Spencer, you cannot I, do I, this. A three-year-old? <laughs> he was three or four. Maybe it's, no, I guess he was, he was probably like four. Oh yeah, because they have iPads, you know, that they can play. Yeah. It's limited what they have on there. But there's like some little, you know, video games and they have like a bunch of learning apps and stuff. But yeah. he's they're sitting and he was sitting there doing that. And I was like, OK, this can't happen. And then we literally hid the iPad for uh, for a while. Like it was like no iPad at all. for I think I was over a month when I found that. So but now he's six now. He knows better. He doesn't do stuff like that. So he's, it's a little bit more control. You're four. You, you push the boundaries a little bit more. Six, you start to get a Dennis, bit more Dennis, of a feel for boundaries. You didn't say you caught him looking at charts at 3 a.m. <laughs> I wouldn't have disciplined that, Mitch. I would have was, allowed that. He was <laughs> monitoring your like, overnight he portfolio, at three Dennis. In the morning he was looking at stock charts. <laughs> yeah, Dad, Dad, you better get up at four. I think you're going to be underwater in this one. You know, like <laughs> yeah, that. That, that's that's what he was that's what he was doing. I, uh, I, I would have allowed that. <laughs> oh, you would have allowed that. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. If you want to oh, look okay. at stock charts at three o'clock in the morning you know and give me some good stock ideas I'm like what what's your research i was sleeping all night spencer did all the research that's the dream right yeah the boy starts doing your job and you don't have to work as hard isn't that the dream start him young and then start him young it's 8 34 we're gonna have tim quast on in a minute as a reminder everyone please do me a solid and hit that like button on youtube it, it, it's it, it's the thumbs up it's the one that looks just like my thumb but it's just not a, it's a, on the screen Hit that button. Like Thank you very this. much. And we will. Like this. Right. Just like that. One right. of those. I don't know. What one, one way. Anyway. Okay. Um, before Tim joins, a r- reminder that today is uh, August 30th, which is the lockup expiration on the Robinhood IPO. Um, it, it wasn't like the, the firmest lockup in the world. You you If you got the IPO, uh, you were still able to sell. You just got penalized by not being able to buy IPOs on Robinhood for like six months, but how many people don't care about that? Probably a lot. So I'm sure some people bought the IPO and sold already. So before we bring Tim, tell me what the difference between is a soft lockup and a hard Well, I, I just said it. Like you, you, yeah, but no, explain it better. If you got Robinhood shares at the IPO, yeah. you typically you're not allowed to sell for 30 days, whatever, okay. few, right? Three months. Yeah. Robinhood would have let you sell. Sell uh, if you tried to sell your shares, you would you you would have gotten a pop up and it says this is called like uh, whatever the term that you know IPO flipping okay. or or, yeah. or whatever. Uh, if you sell, we are going to restrict your IPO access going forward for like okay. six months. You will not be able to buy an IPO on Robinhood for six months if you sell this right now. Do you okay. still want to? Really? Do you still want to proceed? That's interesting. I didn't know that. I don't have a Robinhood account. Yes, I want to proceed anyway because I don't. How often do you, do most people buy IPOs? Not often, right? Yeah. So yes, I want to proceed anyway. Or no, I don't. So anyway, uh, everyone else now is allowed to sell starting today. Is is my point? Um, so keep that on. What does account. that mean for the stock? Sometimes these things go down on it. Sometimes they're overcrowded shorts on going into it, and then they don't go down on it. I will just say, last two days, the two lows are forty six fourteen and forty six forty. Take out 46, and then you start thinking about the 42 low, 42, 44 back from August 20. Analyst got this one going last week. It was the analyst. Who was it? It was. Uh, I do remember a rating. Uh, it was, I'll tell you. It, I, I, yeah. Oh, go back to a week ago. It, it was Rosenblatt, uh, Rosenblatt on, on Tuesday. 
and City. No, Monday was everyone. Monday was every Monday was City. Everybody, everyone on the street, basically. Quiet Keep period them, is over, man. Key Bank, Goldman, JP Piper, Barclays, Deutsch, JMP, yeah. Mizzou, City, yeah. every everybody. Okay, let's bring on Tim Quast for our regular Monday. Tim Quast, CEO of Market Structure. Eggs, Tim, good morning. How was your weekend? Uh, it was packed, Spencer. We had family in, and uh, you know we do we do the stuff that oldsters uh, like me do, which is uh, tailgate at a Kebmo concert well, you awesome. probably don't even know who kebmo is i, I, I like i know what uh, tailgating is I was ask right so well that's what counts right uh, so <laughs> so for he's i think a 14 time grammy nominated uh call him blues jazz kind of musician two-time oh. grammy winner and uh he is fabulous so uh all we uh geriatrics gather in the parking lot and of course eat stuff like crostini and drink rosé that's what we I, do. There's no Bud Light. I've you know, I've watched okay. I've watched yeah. it before. I've seen it before like, on, on, on YouTube because I'm into that kind of stuff. So uh, no, uh, no beer bongs. No beer bongs. You know, we t- it's uh, it's it's no longer age appropriate. We would uh, we would draw strange looks oh. from the youths Funny. if we did that. So uh, you know, yeah, exactly. The youths yeah. of America. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Tim, let's start, let's start with this. Today is August 30th, which means uh, it's the end of the month. Well, tomorrow is the end of the month. But right. uh, what, uh, what, what could that mean here for, for market uh, structure? Structure, yeah, in the next couple of days. Well, I, it, it calls to mind the, the contrast between things that I, that I think should matter to traders uh, that are market structure, behavior of money, behind price and volume in context of rules uh, versus what everybody else is talking about. And I heard you talking about Robinhood, by the way, and Rosenblatt. Rosenblatt, those guys are market structure experts, by the oh, yeah. way. They are big t- They understand market structure. And so I'm listening to, uh, to uh, a well-known business news channel uh, before this program, and uh, they're all talking about the, the effect of the, the Delta variant, co- you know, COVID-19 Delta variant and uh, Jay Powell's comments coming out of the, uh, the Jackson Hole confab. And, and I'm going to do the exact opposite, which, of course, as it probably does for you, uh, Spencer, calls to mind a Thomas Jefferson quote who said, right. uh, and you probably already had, already had thought of this, that uh, he said, uh, you know, that he considered economy, frugality to be among the first and foremost Republican principles, not the Republican Party, but the representative government, and that and public debt uh, at one of its greatest dangers. And of course, things are the exact opposite of that. So I'm going to be the exact opposite of what's the headlines and, uh, and get to your point. So your point is, why does month end matter? It has nothing to do with the Delta variants, got nothing to do with Jay Powell and Jackson Hole. It has to do with the way that the market works. And this is very important for you traders it would be the same if you were a you know in the in the weather predicting business of watching a storm form in the gulf of mexico and head toward new orleans it would be good to know what's coming and i'm not suggesting there's any kind of storm but it's just important to understand that at the ends of months hedge funds want to true up their uh the to take their gains if we've had a good august they want to lock those in so they can tell their clients that they've done well if you're 
uh, a big institutional index investor, or if you you manage exchange traded funds, you want to make sure that your positions track the the benchmark. Otherwise, folks like Morningstar will hammer you, and it's bad for marketing. And so, what happens? Here's the thing that's important to understand: there is a cause and effect relationship at month end, and the reason that it occurs at month end. In addition to that, is there are these options and futures contracts that expire tomorrow? It happens at the the last trading oh, day yeah. of every month, right. right? So then, so you you're a big institution. You can hand this baton of having to deal with that off to say Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs will serve as your prime broker. One of the things that a prime broker will do is take the selling that you want to do and carry it over the goal line, so it doesn't hit. Till a couple of days later, Goldman Sachs will take the other side, offset its risk with options and futures that expire monthly. They'll look around to say, well, what can I do with this liquidity? Is there, a, is there another hedge that I can support with it? Are there options and futures uh, that, that I can uh, fund with this liquidity? And when it, whatever's left over then gets dumped. And that's what then then people, you know, then then the, all the commentators, all the talking heads say, oh, it's the Delta variant or this thing or that thing. No, it's the, the basic mechanics of the marketplace. And it repeats over and over and over. And it's very important to know. So what we like to know looking at this is what is the supply demand equation in the market? What does it look like in healthcare? What's it look like in communication services? I want to know all of that stuff going into month end. Yep. Uh, so we have an idea of which side to be on should we fear it or see it as opportunity that to me is what counts and uh, you know so if you're an edge user you already know this we talk about it all the time and you can go uh, look at that by the way if you don't use market structure edge give it a try you could do it for free for two weeks just you know just a good way to have some exposure to, to market structure it may not be right for you but it's an easy thing to do and uh, i bloviate every Every day, every day of the trading week about these things so that you have some idea of what's coming. So that's the that's the TIA, Spencer. That's what yeah. we're talking about it at uh, this transition. So how, how how do you play it then? Well, so here I'm going to share my screen because I'll just show you this. This to me is is uh, what the data look like. Uh, so bear with me here for just one moment. Let me get my own face out of the way. I've got a I've got a face for radio. Uh, here's a, here's the Benzinga pre market prep uh, August thirty portfolio. By the way, I don't want to I want to look at a couple of things if we have yep. time. But here's what I do. I'm going to look at broad market sentiment on a ten point scale of above five tends to be uh, more demand than supply, and the, the market has averaged over the last. You go back to 2012. From January 2012 to present, that's how long we've been tracking these data in the same way. You know, there, we had some data before that, but to say apples to apples, we have tracked it that long, and the market has averaged 5.4 on a 10-point scale. That is a growth at a reasonable price market, and right now it's at 4.6, so it's below that nexus of supply and demand, and I, it, that doesn't necessarily mean. Uh, bad things for the market, but it does suggest we could. If there's some bumps, if we run into a door frame of August exiting August, yeah. that will be the reason. It's a you know we've it's predictive. So this peak here drove a very nice gain. 
Now we have this swale that has not manifested. I'm not saying it will, but I think that there is some risk of that. But then looking across the dashboard. So the day we call the dashboard, this is like the bridge of your ship. It's all the dials and gauges that tell you how you're navigating. And we look for the demand side, the demand side's here. So if I look at airlines and cruise ships, the demand side and the supply side, demand is rising and supply is falling. I could look across, I'm gonna go down here to the seas because here's a great way to say, see three port, uh, uh, sectors all at once. Communication services, this is where Google and Facebook and so on are. They're not in tech, you think they are. Uh, so look at that, demand side rising, supply side falling. That's pretty good. Uh, consumer discretionary, demand side rising, supply side back at trend. Consumer staples, demand side rising, supply side falling. All of those look good. So as we get into September, I would say, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming, I wish I'd used Indeed. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility all at Indeed.com P-R-E-P. Just go to Indeed.com P-R-E-P right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com P-R-E-P. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We could have a pretty good run, but this is, we're just getting to it. And it can be, it's, there's a cause and effect. They're not correlated. They're leading indicators. So I would say opportunity is going to arise in September in a number of these areas. But if we bump through this transition, the reason why is because we're below five. Over the whole market, we're below five and we're just working our way back. And there will be a causal relationship between the two. I won't guarantee it. But it's not going to surprise me. Uh, all right, Tim, I got to ask you about support.com here. If you can pull that up, can you it, tell us what is going on from a market structure standpoint <laughs> in SPRT, SPRT right now? I wish I could. It's one of those weird uh, situations where you have a, a, a SPAC deal that is unfolding here for support.com. And so, our, because we're heavily tied to, to GIX data, uh, general industry classification system that we we buy from the S&P Global, uh, we don't have that data right now. And so we will, I think by tomorrow, we will have that data. Uh, but for to, to put this, and you guys are probably, all of you traders, you're probably ahead of me. <laughs> you know that thing's gone up 
if you take pre-market today and I think Friday, it's up like 75%. And, uh, you know, what's going on? Is it a, is it a Reddit mob short squeeze uh, sort of situation? I'll remind folks, if you've listened to market structure, that a short squeeze is a small part of what actually occurs. Meme stocks happen because there is more demand than supply. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. It's, it goes back to this whole market maker exemption. And I've repeat, you know, the people who listen all the time, you already know this. So bear with me. It's not my fading mental faculties that leads me to repeat myself. It's for those who maybe haven't heard. <laughs> it's the 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 uh, market makers who are who are the ones all dollars in the in the U.S. stock market have to pass through a broker dealer. And there it could be the same broker dealer on both sides, but there will always be broker dealers uh, participating in a trade and they're exempt from having to locate shares to borrow. So if there are suddenly 10,000 limit orders to buy support.com and nobody's selling it, how could the stock go up? Don't you have to have sellers for every buyer? No, you don't. You don't. You have to have a market maker who by law has to take the other side of the trade. I use it all the time to my own advantage. I know if I put in a trade, at the market for less than 100 shares, I like to be very close to the dollars per trade average. So that will determine how I, how I enter the trade. I know it has to be executed. It's the law. It's going to be my own broker's dark pool or alternative trading system that will take it, or they're going to route it out to somebody who has to take the other side of the trade. So if there are 10,000 orders to buy SPRT, and nobody's selling it, brokers are going to manufacture stock to fill all those buy orders, and the stock's going to go up 50%. The good news is you can see it. You can see that coming. I'll use maybe another example. Let's yeah, look use at another example. That, because, I, yeah, we can't, you know, I've got, a, uh, I unfortunately can't use support.com to, to okay. illustrate this. But let's look at Zoom. You know, Zoom often has these characteristics. And Zoom is reporting results after the market today. Mm -hmm. So it's a a good reason to look at this, uh, this stock. So I'm going to back up three months and I'll give you just a case in point. Here was an example of a whole bunch of stock being created right here. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily the time I would buy it, but what this is showing us is the trend line. The dotted line is the trend line for short volume, not short interest, but the, um, the amount of stock coming from, the amount of trading volume coming from borrowed or created stock. And this huge surge way above trend is something you can see. So if, if, uh, you know, if price is not surging on that, that's probably money leaving instead of arriving. So when we can see price rising, demand rising, and a huge creation of stock, that's how meme stocks behave. We could look at, I could show you GameStop and AMC and various others to show how those things play out. So this stuff was market makers knowing that ahead of options expirations, there wasn't a huge amount of demand for Zoom. So they short it, price goes down, they cover right in here. See these two things? They're the reverse. This is very high short volume. Now all the market makers have covered. So this is where Zoom is, by the way, right before it reports results. Demand is rising and short volume's right at trend. But demand is, so this is a weak chart, is, is a, is a, is a demand level at about 2.6, not even, it's halfway to five with short volume already at trend and over 50% of trading volume. Is that going to create a big surge in Zoom? It's unlikely. 
it's unlikely that that's going to occur. You, that you would want this kind of chart. This is where I buy Zoom. If I see short volume plunging and demand rising, that's the place to buy. And that gave us great gains till it reverts to buy, then leave, maybe even sooner. I leave when short volume pops above trend. But you can see all of that. You, you don't have to be caught out by uh, meme stock situations. You can see it in the data. All right, Tim Quas is the founder and CEO of Market Structure Edge. The link is up on the screen. The platform is up on the screen as well. Tim, we will talk to you again next. Oh, no, we won't. Next Monday, there's no show. There's a holiday. But we'll talk to you again. I think you're on the calendar for Tuesday, I think. I can sleep in for a chance. Yes. Oh, yes. wow. Let's I get to sleep in too? To Do I get right. to sleep in too? I think so. I think That's so. amazing. We will see you on next Tuesday, Tim. Sounds I don't get to sleep because I have kids. Have so a good right. week, guys. All, All right. right. We'll see, see you. you Tim. Uh, eight fifty one. I want to talk about um. Go back to support. Yeah, 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 yeah. This thing is crazy. Can. So I'm trying to understand exactly. I, apparently, there is. I I don't, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know anything about the fundamentals of this company, and I will just say that when you have a move like that, that's what's called upside capitulation. You had a stock that gapped up on Friday on ridiculous volume. And then ran and blew everybody out. I mean, we had probably even multiple halts and that I wasn't paying attention to. I'm sure we did. Um, and then you had the complete sell-off in the afternoon and the stock fell more than 50% from the highs. You know I have a lot of people caught from Friday. So you get a snapback rally here today. In my opinion, this rally is to be sold. So um, this is just you know technicals. But when you get this, the, the breakdown, the stock closes mm-hmm. below. And you come in and the stock's up 10 more points. There's going to be people who bought this on Friday saying, thank you, I got my money back. Or just please come to 40 and I'll get my money back. Please come to 45 and I'll get my money back. So it was huge volume. There is a lot of people who are caught in this you know, stock. I know a lot of people made a lot of money with it. And congratulations to those. But people who bought this on Friday, majority of those people, obviously every single person who bought this on Friday, unless they were buying the pre-market, was down money by the end of the day because it closed right on the low. So you see yeah. a week close like that, you get the snapback the next day. You typically want to be a seller of that snapback. So I don't think this is going back to 50 or 60. Sorry to the people who bought it up there. I do think this will actually revisit the 2633 low. Maybe not today, but I think it will revisit it sooner than later. And then the That's other just my one, opinion, just the, my opinion. The other big one is BBIG. This is a, uh, we, we had him on the power hour last week or maybe the week before. Uh, this is a company that has been, they were late on uh a 10Q filing. There's a M&A deal that they, we've been waiting on for a while. Apparently, there is some confusion out there as to what exactly the size of the float of this company is. Um, but we, they told us it's 40 million shares. I don't. Same, same thing. I don't know. It's it's just it's, it's, it's a windfall for who yeah. was long it on Friday. I mean, they just have right. a stock go from three day. Can it go to ten? Can it go to twelve? Go wherever it wants. They can continue to go. I typically get lucky like this. I ring the register. I mean, if you're in, you know, and you, you've, and there's been a lot of people who've been stuck in this thing too. I've seen this one, you know, my social media stream for a while. So I think it's a ring the register opportunity. I do think you're seeing upside capitulation similar to what SPRT. I do believe BBIG will top out today, but I cannot give you the price. I mean, it might go to 10. A lot of times you do see these things get up eight, nine, and then maybe it already did. It. What, what did it do in the It already did. Was it already did 10. What's yeah. BBIG? Let me see the pre-market chart because that yeah. was more of a story. I was just, it's so funny. I have no position on any of this stuff. I know. I'm just, you know, giving you the technicals. It's all you got. Uh, BBIG. Yeah. yeah so you got big is, up there. Try BBIG. Yeah. There you go. It already got over 10. 
So you're already starting to come in. And and you know what? It could revisit it. Maybe it yeah. does. But when you get these huge volumes, it's trade 35 million shares are in the yeah. pre-market. It's going to be like the most traded stock today. So, I mean, the volume's absolutely incredible. It's up. I think you're going to eventually have some bag holders in this one, too. I'd be selling the pop. But that's just me. You already, I mean, you already, I'm looking at the charts and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, they get over 10 and now it pulled back. I just have to, just have to pick some intermediate levels. If you really got a pop and you weren't holding out for 10, I would look for 940. Uh, that was your January, your previous year high. But, you know, they'll give it little bumps, but you can see sellers have uh, come down off 10. <clears throat> then they came down to nine. Who knows if they'll come down to eight. And then the other one, SPRT, uh, Dennis, I mean, if you were up at 4 a.m., you would have uh, had a field day in this way. SPRT, support.com. Yeah, no, I got up yeah. over 40, I see It that. did. Oh, yeah, there's a leak. That's what I was looking I, It's for. leak. I, I think you're going to find too many sellers here. Hard, now hard stocks moved to on. trade. And you know These what happened? hard stocks to trade. For. Really hard. But you know what happens? It's like this wave of, you know, this, you know, FOMO retail buying social media driven stocks that go from one stock to the next to the next, you know, and it's driven up and it's up and, you know, and then it just fades away and people aren't talking about that one anymore. And they move on to the next one and they move on to the next one. If you get ahead of these waves, you can definitely make some money. But, you know, there's a lot of people who fall behind these waves and then they get stuck. And I've been there, too. I've been stuck in some of these, you know, different social media stocks and then they come in. Uh, let's move to the two major social media stocks, AMC and GME, because these two actually are interesting. Um, yeah. You know, I've talked, you know, you know, and saying long term, I don't like them because of the fundamentals, but short term, you can trade anything. I will say you have a setup at AMC and GME, both. Um, I like the little double bottom. I'm going to call AMC a double bottom from the last two days, even though it's 60 cents apart, but it's AMC and it's a little wild. Whenever you get a big up move, and then you get some consolidation. A lot of times, sometimes you'll see continuation of that up move. And with the amount of money being driven in social media stocks, it would not surprise me if AMC and GME started to catch a bit again. If I was buying AMC, and I'm not, but if I was, I would stop myself out on Friday's low at 39.39. So you're risking about two bucks here. GME, a cleaner double bottom, right above a nice strike of 200. 199, the low from Thursday, $200.02, the low from Friday. Stock is trading up here this morning. Again, if I was buying these, I would stop myself out there. A 2% risk or a 3% risk on GME is not much because the stock can move. And sometimes you see the boom. It's like a flag, right? So you see the boom, the big up move, consolidation. And then sometimes you get a continuation of the original move. It works in reverse as well. So I actually like the technical setup on this. I'll probably not trade it just because it's GME, though. And I know the stock is too wild for me. Uh, that, um, looking at both, I see the setup that you're talking about the AMC. I see the setup too. You've had a move from, uh, 28 or 29, uh, about a 20 point move. So you got good, no more than that. You've had a 22 point move 11. So don't know if you're going to get that 50% retracement in there that you're looking for. It looks like it's kind of holding above that. Maybe a couple more days of consolidation because they, you know, just like get lull people in a little bit more on the short See, side. If it, it consolidated for a couple more days, I wouldn't like it then. Oh, okay. I, I'm, a, I'm of the opposite opinion. I don't want to see it consolidate for three, four, or five days because then it's like, okay, they've given you too many chances to buy it. I like like the two days, like boom, you see two days consolidation, maybe three, and then the go. And so I, I would say if GME and, and AMC don't go today, then I wouldn't want them. So I think that they could. 
I think they could move. They're already moving a little bit in the pre-market. And obviously we're seeing, you know what, I'm relationship based, right? So I see, you know, the movement happening in the, you know, BBIG, which was this big social media stock. And you see the big move that happened in SPRT, which was one of those as well. And you think, okay, well, maybe they're going to move back into these ones too. That money will find its home there too. So I, I would want, if I'm long AMC and GMA, I'd want to see a move sooner than later. Again, not long either stock. Uh, the only reason I'm saying that is because they like they kind of catch people off guard a lot, and I and they kind of had like this this an AMC here. You had the low, the run up, the pullback, the run up, the pullback. It just seems like they like to lull people in a little bit. But you got a setup. I like it. Pull back, and uh, there's there's your areas. I, I all you I'm, need is a setup. I'm not fading with you. I, I'm not fading you on that. I, and and again, I don't have any position in these. I'm just giving you the technicals. So again, long term, I don't want to be stuck with these. That's why I would have tight stops if I if I was to put these on for a trade. I believe AMC and GME. The fundamentals don't justify the price, and I'm still long term. I'm a fundamental guy, but. I, as a trader, I trade anything, and I can see a setup here in GME and AMC. No position in either, at least not yet. Shout out to uh, Daryl McGuire. This is going back to our chat earlier regarding uh, um, Affirm and Afterpay and all that. Uh, but KPLT is a sympathy play that we did not mention. So KPLT is up today. KPLT. Uh, never traded that stock. Nope. Or Catap- of it. Catapult. It's 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 the same thing. It's basically the same thing. What is that? Sympathy to what? Affirm. Oh, okay. No, yeah. I didn't. I've never even heard of that one. KPLT. So shout out to that because we didn't mention it. I didn't mention okay. it. Okay. That How do we? How do we know? It was it same? Same because the charts are, couldn't be. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't be. Te- the stock. <laughs> 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 uh, are we assuming that Spencer knows his research there? So. I mean, yeah. That it's a it's a fintech play. Five thirty five. Pre market high. You leak the buck. Let's see. Uh, major start get into a gap of 588 would be a real no, juicy target on that one. So, all right, 9 a.m. I'm gonna hop off and go to pre market prep plus. Been getting uh, some great participation there on uh, ticker time. I know we didn't get to cover them all here. Uh, so I'm gonna hop off, let you guys take it the rest of the way. Spencer, I'll catch up with you later on. Yep, and any if anyone has any questions or anything about the, the recording from the Saturday event. Just email premarket at benzinga.com. That email goes to myself, Joel, and Dennis. Uh, yeah, if you subscribe to it, I know some of the, the, the that there was a, it only lasted a week on the Zoom call, but we yeah. have another recording of that. So if you did subscribe to it, we'll obviously have to check to make sure you're registered. We're yep. registered for the event. Then you can get sent a recording. So again, premarket at benzinga.com for any questions about that. Dennis, have a good day. Get some I hope we feel better, Spencer. And just for clarification, some people are saying, "Oh, Spencer's in the office; he's sick." But he got a COVID test. I, I got a, I got my first ever yeah. COVID test uh, on Friday, and it was it was negative. So you're negative. good. No, so you don't I, look like I, you have COVID. I, I don't have a I don't have a fever. Yeah, I don't have I don't I'm not achy. I don't have anything in my chest. I'm it's all it's oh, all up here. Cold. It's all in my head, in my nose, really. So anyway, huh. I appreciate the concern. Thanks a lot, Dennis. Uh, okay. Talk to you later. All right, uh, it's Mondays, guys, and Mondays at 9 a.m. We bring on Matt Hammond from IPO Warriors to uh, recap what happened last week and look ahead to this week in IPO land. So let's do that. Matt, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How was your weekend? Uh, not too bad. Uh, thanks, Spencer. How was your weekend? I understand you're fighting off a cold, hopefully, just a cold. Just a cold. Just a cold, man. All right. That's all. But, <laughs> but it's more annoying more than, more than anything else. You know, it's just, it's just annoying. It just won't go away. Anyway, I've been... I've been downing Mucinex like all week. But anyway, let's bring up uh, some slides here. And we'll start sure with uh, – oh, yeah. I like, I like this note. Keep an eye out for low-float sneakers. I love that That's note. Right. Talk about it. 
Yeah, so low float was kind of, I mean, it's been a theme for the last few months. We haven't had a lot of blockbuster IPOs, and it's not just in the IPO world, but certainly IPOs have always been a target. They have their own catalyst built in because they're going to get some promotion simply because they're on a calendar that people are watching. And we've seen low floats be sort of a target for uh, social media trending stocks. Uh, people are jumping in on them. It's pretty easy to manipulate the price. So people understand, hey, if we get an army of people together and we all go after one stock, why not make it a low float stock? That makes everybody's job more, uh, you know, that much easier. Right. So with um, a thin IPO calendar to begin with, there are people like me who target IPOs as a, you know, they've got momentum built in. Uh, they get their own promotion usually. So, you know, we look for those and people have been making profits, uh, taking profits off of these low float stocks and especially low float IPOs. And a lot of times these are not well promoted at all. In some ways, it seems like that's almost intentional. Uh, they're not often on the calendar, even on a Monday, they'll show up on like Tuesday or even Wednesday. Huh. It was last Thursday that I saw this one from last week. I sent out, you know, to the newsletter group, uh, go to ipowarriors.com, sign up for the newsletter, you will get these alerts. I gave out DATS uh, before it debuted, the day before it debuted, it then ran from about, I think it was around 4.50. I think it's up about 8.50, you know, two weeks later. And, you know, it's just easy, instant profits. And both of the IPOs we saw this week, I sent out a notice on SQL, which we'll talk about right now. Um, it went up 70% since Friday to uh, pre-trade this morning. Uh, RNXT, which I did not play because it was biotech and had a bad day one. Uh, it then ran to, you know, 140% win in the early pre-market on day two. So these low float sneakers can be a lot of fun. Uh, I see them especially when they don't debut at a huge premium or they debut below the IPO price and then offer like a dip. That's a great time to buy in. The downside is that much more reduced. And the upside, once people start realizing, hey, wait, this stock IPO, they read about it, you know, overnight after the IPO, uh, they start you know, the buzz kind of starts right on day one and carries into day two and people start loading in. And, you know, even SQL today, I think it's trading pre-market right now. Right now it's 475. Um, you know, this could run, in, you know, on a day like today where low float is, I think everything everybody's targeting right now is, you know, either low float or short interest. And these trades, you know, they kind of pick up momentum. Nobody's really selling. They all have a target of trying to pick off six or seven dollars. So they just keep promoting it and piling in. And, you know, that's what drives profits. So we see a common trend in these is that we are getting a bit of a dip off of the debut. So this is looking at Renovo uh, RX. So this had a super low float, just 1.8 million shares. And that alone in this market is enough to get interest. Uh, they do have a phase three uh, cancer treatment in uh, in the FDA trials process. So that's another catalyst. I mean, that's something that people are like, oh, well, if I have to, I'll bag hold this until they get approval. Um, I think it's pretty, I think it's not going to slated for like final approval until about 2024. So I don't want to be stuck in this, which is why I didn't play. I don't play biotechs generally. Um, but we did see this, you know, if you played this dip, the play that I was looking at was, okay, at baselines here at seven, if I get any kind of dip below that, maybe I add a position. And so here you could pick up 680, you know, 690, 680, 670, kind of ladder entry here, 
and then wait for this end of you know power hour run. Um, you know, sometimes we get a spike at the end of the day, but when we're way below VWAP on a IPO, the, the IPO price was nine dollars. So nobody who paid nine dollars is going to be dumping on day one for a significant loss. They're all going to you know, hold. Uh, you know, they're going to hold on until they're green, usually, or they are in for the long term. So this one baseline down here, we got that run. You could take a dollar. You know, I'm usually if I make this trade on a stock that's just you know under ten dollars, I'm probably just going to try to take a dollar and not be greedy. But if you kind of sense the trend in the low float, uh, the way people are trading low float uh, stocks these days, maybe you held on to overnight. And if you have a Webull account, you can take out profits on you know this early morning spike. And if you did, and you timed it perfectly, maybe you catch 17. Bear in mind that at 17, only about 10,000 shares were traded in this minute. So even fewer than that were traded at 17. Uh, so you can't look back and say, oh, if I bought 50,000 shares, I'd be, you know, rich now, uh, because that's not, you know, that, that's not realistic. Um, but you do want to look at some things here in terms of how long do you want to hold into day two. One of the things I always look at is what happens at seven o'clock. At seven o'clock, this is when most of the trading platforms open up for pre, you know, for pre-market. This is TD Ameritrade. This is E-Trade. This is most of the kind of more established, more reliable trading platforms. And if you see this seven o'clock come along and drop really hard like this, um, then I'm probably going to at most give it this opening run and exit there and expect, especially for biotech, for this to kind of be falling off. And if you did get in at 680, 690, you don't want to be taking a loss on this. Um, once that initial you know pop comes in, at least take partial profits out at that point. And you know, you're probably looking to get out it, you know, by now. Um, another one, this one I was more bullish on. I did a little bit of a different strategy than I've done in terms of, you know, I did not buy the debut. What I did do is set up a bunch of ladder trades right before the IPO uh, debuted. So the IPO price was 625 and I said, okay, I'd like to get in this if it gives me an initial drop and recovery. And I'll, I'm willing to ride out that kind of slope down if that's what it gives me. But what it really did was it opened up at 345 and all these orders got filled. I had some, you know, I had some below this actually that didn't get filled, but I'm basically saying, okay, well, I'll take a hundred share, you know, or a hundred shares at 405, 200 shares at 390, uh, 300. And I kind of escalate up the number of shares as I go down. And that gives me a very low uh, cost average when it does debut. So I got in at about my average price ended up being 344 because everything above the debut price got filled at the debut price. So even if I set it at like 10, uh, it's still gonna get filled at 345 at the debut price. So all these get filled, I caught one order below that at 340, and then it immediately jumped up into a halt. Now you could take profits right out of the halt, but given the, you know, the market environment that we're in, low float to me, I said, no, 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 I'm gonna give this till, you know, at least end of day, and realistically, I want to see what this does overnight. The overnight play has been strong. Um, you know, why not give it that chance to give me maybe five or even six dollars uh, as this builds? I can always set a stop loss. I can set a stop loss at four fifty, uh, and just say, okay, well, if I don't get the run, I'll just get out and say, okay, well, that's still a nice profit. 
Um, you know, so one of the things I would like to pay attention to on these is social media. And I go to Reddit and I go to Twitter and you just put in, uh, especially for Twitter, you know, dollar sign SQL. That'll bring up everyone who's talking about the stock ticker SQL and see if there's people talking about it. If a lot of people are saying, oh, yeah, here's the next one. And if you watch this from, you know, the day before when I sent out the newsletter alert, nobody was talking about it. I don't, you know, I only found out about this one. It wasn't on any calendars. It wasn't in Weeble. It was nowhere. Uh, it was on one obscure calendar. And someone in my, in the Reddit chat group for IPO Warriors just sent it out to the group, you know, sent it out to me, Matt, what's up with uh, SQLs? Like, I don't even know about it. So I had time to do some research on it. They do DNA sequencing, RNA sequencing. Uh, it's at least, somewhat in that vein of um, genomics and Kathy, you know, Wood seems to like these types of plays. So it's in that sort of hype vein and it made sense to make a play on this one. Um, but as I'm watching Twitter from the day before, no one talking about it to the day of, no one really talking about it before, except in response to the tweet that I sent out. And then throughout the day, other people are queuing in on it that had nothing to do with me. And now they're just talking about it because it's a new low float IPO. And then over the weekend, people are talking about it. And this morning, you know, a lot of people are putting it on their list next to BBIG or some of the other low float plays that have gone. So uh, these are interesting, you know, plays for me. I'll keep an eye on them this week. Right now, low float IPOs are kind of a hot topic. So if you can get in early and ride them out a little bit, uh, there's a really good chance for, you know, an upside. And I see, especially if you get in below the IPO price, I mean, how something that was priced at 425 down at 330 is not going to drop much further than that right away. So I like these plays. I'll keep looking for them. Okay. Um, these are a little bit different than uh, the stealth IPOs. The stealth IPOs, and someone, people have asked me, Matt's up, what's up with that G Sun uh, play that we talked about last, you know, months and months ago? That, that just hasn't gone. It's Chinese, I believe it's educational. Uh, I think everything Chinese is on hold. We haven't seen any of these kind of stealth IPOs since the DD IPO was such a disaster. And SEC basically said, okay, no more Chinese IPOs right now. And those were really, they looked like money laundering schemes. I mean, the more I researched and the people I talked to, uh, the best explanation we could come up with was, you know, that they were a funnel for moving money out of China into Western markets cool. by laddering, laddering up low float um uh, you know, IPOs, uh, the underwriters were likely withholding shares to keep, you know, to force these pops. Cause you looked at, you went back and look at the halts and they weren't high volume. Uh, they were just like people forcing, you know, <clears throat> forcing the halts up by controlling the float. And they really seem to be intentionally hiding their IPOs, like intentionally not announcing them, intentionally keeping them off the calendar. And it was always the same underwriters, Network One Solution, Boasted Securities, uh, and, and other underwriters that are, you know, that we found direct links to them. So it really looked like that. Uh, that's different from these kind of sneaker low float IPOs, where it looks more like uh, they're just small companies that don't spend a lot of mark on marketing, and they kind of get squeezed into a calendar that right now has been pretty cold. Um, so I'm playing these a little bit differently than the stealth IPOs. The stealth IPOs were getting driven up right away. So the debut prices were already kind of ridiculous compared to the IPO price, like double or triple, and then going up 10 times. Remember UTME, remember EJH. There are a handful of these that just, and for those, you really do need to set your 
uh, year order limit order way above the IPO price to catch them. Whereas these kind of sneaker IPOs, I'm catching on the dip and then let, letting them run up. And I've used that on DATS. I use that on IINN. I use that on SQL and they've all turned in, you know, they all turned into pretty good win opportunities. So let's look at the week ahead real quick. Uh, not a lot, really just one pure IPO and that's Double Down Interactive. But there are two others that I just want to keep an eye on and I'll explain the reasons for those. Although generally I don't play those types of, uh, call them debuts. Uh, I do want to take a look at those. Double Down Interactive is a Korean app developer. Uh, their biggest title is Double Down Casino, and most of their games that I looked into have something to do with gambling or gaming, this type of thing. And generally, I would say I don't love app plays anymore. Uh, they just haven't done that well on the IPO. This company does have growing revenue. It's about, you know, and profit, both about 27 to 30% year over year, you know, for the th three months ending um, last month. They tried to do an IPO in June, so there's a lot of kind of uh, relic <clears throat> news, you know, news pieces talking about the IPO that they were trying to do in June. And what I do find this to be interesting is that it's relatively low float. You know, they only have 6.3 million shares coming to market. So for an established company that's generating revenue, you know, operating profit, and uh, you know, 6.3 million shares is very low. So if this starts trending on social media, if people are talking about it, I think it's worth a play. Um, so the next one I want to talk about is Focus Universal. And I kind of want to talk about two things here because I get asked this a lot. People don't quite understand what this is just a follow up offering. So follow-up offering is just, you know, people think, oh, why does, you know, after a company IPOs, why should it care about its, sh its share price? You know, it's done. It's already, you know, why does anybody care? Uh, one of the reasons is that the IPO is just the initial public offering and they can make as many follow-up offerings as they want. They can always sell more stock to the market to further fund their company. And of course, this causes dilution because they are putting more shares into the market. But a lot of companies do this. I mean, Tesla's done this many times and people keep eating it up because they love the company. Uh, Focus Universal, this one, I'll just jump to why it's kind of interesting is that the float will be published as 2 million shares, even though there's already 15 million shares in the market. So it seems like people might confuse the, the two. Um, but there's also the fact that this is a Bosted Securities underwriting and as an underwriter, Bosted Securities has had kind of this magic touch of being able to control the, you know, what's actually the stock that's actually being traded. And we've seen a lot of ridiculous swings in stocks that were underwritten by Bosted. And here's one. This stock has gone traded as low as 20 cents and as high as $10 in the past 52 weeks. So it's just, and, and it's just such a random sounding company. You read about their, you go to their website and check out what they're doing. They're doing web marketing and SEO. They're doing HEPA filters. They're doing anti-counterfeit authentication. And they're doing some kind of sensor that interfaces with smartphones. I mean, they're just kind of all over the place. And you feel like, okay, well, you know, they're just sort of chasing headlines. And when they're chasing headlines and, you know, not a huge float, there's a good chance that they just come out and say, hey, yeah, we're getting into uh, uh, NFT crypto mining, uh, cybersecurity, and everyone's like, oh, that's hot. And then they all, you know, it's just, 
and we've seen this a lot with Boasted uh, underwritten stocks. So anything that's underwritten by Boasted, Network One Solutions, now Maxim Group too, because they were the ones who did um, our, was RGC or RBC, that one that just was ripping crazy last week. And, and that, that was coming off of uh, the expiration of the underwriter uh, over allotment period where they were given 45 days to buy shares after it's like the day after they finished buying up shares and closed that, uh, over allotment, RBC went on that insane run from like four to 45 or something. Matt, wait, question before you move on. Mm-hmm. So if a company is going to do a follow on offering, do, yeah. do, they, do they have to disclose that in, in their, in their S one or can they just be like, Oh, surprise dilution like the next week. Or, Remember what uh, Coinbase did? Well, that was an insider selling, wasn't it? Uh, they did a direct listing and then they raised a bunch of money, yeah, through a private placement. Uh, oh, no, that was Robinhood. Sorry. Um, yeah. Okay. So, 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 so Coinbase, no. that was part of the reason that their stock just sunk and they're being sued for it now because the assumption was, oh, great, you're doing a direct listing. You don't need cash. I'll buy in on the, you know, on the debut. Right. And then about a week later, they're like, oh, yeah, so we're going to do a price private placement, raise a bunch of money. And everyone's like, wait, what? So uh, they don't have to disclose it when they do the S1 on the IPO. And yeah. typically these secondary offerings come. You see it a lot. And one of the reasons I uh, one of the other reasons I don't really like biotechs is that you'll see a company like Ocugen, for example. Ocugen got had some big news. This was a couple months ago. And the share price jumped um, that they were getting kind of moving on to the next level of FDA approval or they got approval in India for something. I forget exactly what the headline was. And they used that opportunity to raise more, you know, raise more cash. And I mean, the second that that news hits the wire, the, the share price just plummets, especially for something that has you know shot up. And we've seen AMC raise money uh, when their share price went up. Uh, Hertz famously tried to raise money after declaring they're going bankrupt. Um, so anytime you see this, it's going to get a reaction from the market. And with biotechs, you see it a lot when they get an approval. It's like, okay, great. The share price is going to go up and we need more money for the next phase. Uh, we've seen it with companies when they sign huge contracts, you know, supply contracts like, okay, well, in order to manufacture all the materials, we're going to have to scale up our manufacturing capacity and we're going to have to issue more shares. We're going to need to raise money from somewhere to meet that. And when they do that, you know, anytime they do that, they're diluting the share price and it's going to come down. So I really just wanted to talk about this because people keep asking me about it. I know that in Webull in the IPO center, it shows uh, the follow-up offerings as something you can buy in on. Usually the offering is right around or even above the current uh, or below the current share price. And it's sort of like, well, you know, why not just wait till the the secondary offering and then buy at right. the market if you like this company or better yet, wait till more shares are available and it come, price comes down and then buy it. Once in a while, we have seen some moves that I just can't explain on uh, on the, the follow up offerings where the price will go up. And, you know, I, I, I don't have that makes no I, sense. I don't. I don't understand it at all. Other than it's some kind of free publicity that you know puts it on people's radar. Um, the next one and the last one for this week, at least on the current schedule, and this one was is also not uh, on a lot of the calendars, so I'll have to verify it. 
Um, but this is generation income properties, nothing particularly interesting. They own and operate a bunch of lease properties they have on their list, like a 7-Eleven, a Starbucks, a Walgreens, a Sherman Williams, a few other kind of business locations where they are leasing them out to, you know, to tenants. Uh, apparently they do not make enough money to cover their operating expenses, which is, you know, maybe COVID related, but it also just isn't that interesting to me. It's also an uplisting. Uh, at least that's what I read in multiple places, but I couldn't find any price for this right now. It's not showing a price on Webull and I couldn't find any price history anywhere else, which is a little bit weird. Usually an uplisting has its share price for the, you know, for the OTC stock listed. So the only thing again, that makes this interesting is that it's low float 1.5 million shares. I don't know if there's anything exciting in terms of what this company does for people to feel like, oh yeah, let's, uh, you know, let's play this one. Um, but we've seen a lot of share, a lot of companies that don't have any reason. They just get targeted for being low float. And, uh, you know, if it's kind of like, if this one can fly on just being low float, then there's no reason not to get into everything that's low float uh, on an IPO. If this one tanks, I can say, okay, well, at least there is some threshold for mediocrity that I, you know, don't need to dip below to, uh, to find a play. So uh, that's what we have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Question from the chat early on. Do you, do you have thoughts on the really Rivian IPO from or the filing from last week? Yeah, sure. Uh, Rivian's pretty interesting. I think that uh, it's generally something that I, you know, I like it because it's got the hype. It's got the, um, got the story it's got the story and actually just to jump because we have a few more minutes here if we want to take them we we're talking last week with mitch about um you know what, what what is the general strategy of this and what do i look for in a winner yeah i look for retail demand uh i look i mean that's the key if there's no retail demand then you know the, it's, the price isn't going to go up i look for brand rig brand name recognition rivian we've heard about this company a lot it's kind of strong enough to go ipo rather than SPAC, which has been the, you know, the exception to the rule in terms of these EV plays. Is it in a hype and trending industry? Sure. EVs have gotten a lot of hype. I think the bubble was, you know, last February and they really got, I mean, we've seen a lot of them just get destroyed since then, but they've kind of stabilized and some of them even started kind of rebounding a little bit last week. Uh, I do look for growth and solid fundamentals and I, you know, we're not going to have that with Rivian. So we are really looking at the story. I really question how profitable EV, I mean, I've always been pretty skeptical on the EV trade. I just, I've always seen that, you know, eventually Ford and GM and Volkswagen, all these other companies are going to be in a better position to take this market. I mean, Tesla does not trade on fundamentals. Tesla is a hype and, um, you know, momentum play and people love it. But they're not, you know, I mean, without government credits, as I understand it, they're not profitable. You know, they have a very charismatic uh, CEO. He can move the price of Dogecoin, you know, huge percentages with a single tweet. He's kind of untouchable. So but but not everybody's Tesla. And Nikola tried to be Tesla and famously crashed and burned. Um, so the other thing is... I, I'd like to see with Rivian, what is the float? You know, people say, well, and this is one of the things when I first traded, started trading IPOs, I didn't quite understand. I didn't really get it until about, um, 
you know, some of those Chinese stealth IPOs that were just ripping. And then I started breaking down, you know, the, what was happening behind the scenes and realizing, oh yeah, well, of course, if you come to market with 5 million shares, you can manipulate the price. Uh, I did see hints of this and, you know, people mentioned it. I remember Lemonade did really well on the IPO and I think they had only 9 million shares. Um, but with Rivian, if they come in with like 55 million shares, it's a little bit like, hmm, I wish they would come in with like 20 million shares. Uh, and when you see a company like Doximity come with, I think it was 20, 21 million shares on the IPO, it's like, oh, that makes like a strong company with a not ridiculous amount of shares. I remember saying like, don't touch Didi. Didi, you know, has 330 million shares. How are, you know, that's so many million shares. Yeah. It's like everyone in America buying a share. It's almost counterintuitive because the 300 million shares would imply stability, which is not, not what you want on, not on an IPO. Right. Um, and you know, yeah, I didn't know that the Chinese government was going to come in and sink it, you know, the day after it IPO, but what are you, you going to do? do? Yeah. Uber had a huge, had a huge float on its IPO and it didn't do well. You look at all, I mean, the majority of IPOs that have been a hundred million shares or more, have not given a lot of pop because there's just so much supply. So retail demand, that means demand has to exceed supply for the price to go up. I mean, that's like the first rule of economics. So I'm looking, and that's why low float is so powerful. So I'd like to see Rivian come market with the low float. Uh, and that would, that would be kind of the tipping point for me to say, oh yeah, uh, it's definitely one of those day two plays where if you do get a day one dip, it's like, okay, we'll buy this because everyone's going to read the news over, uh, you know, overnight and say, oh, Rivian IPOs. And they'll probably debut at some kind of premium to the IPO price. So the, the headlines, you know, will say that, oh, debut, you know, IPOs at a 30%, you know, shares pop, uh, soar, rocket after IPO. Right. Uh, that might not be true for those who bought on the debut. But that day two media cycle, which is like people go home after work. Oh, Rivian IPO'd last night and it went up. Oh, yeah, that's going to be like Tesla. I'm going to go in and buy, yeah. you know, and then the next morning it makes a run, day two yeah. run. So I, I, I like it. I, I like it for a run. All right, Matt, we got to wrap it up here. Thanks a lot. Matt Hammond, IPWarriors.com. Thanks a lot, Matt. Thanks, guys. All right. I got to wrap. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. 
by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.